Get more for your money this week at Meyer. No matter what you need, save with deals like 10% off general merchandise apparel and shoes with Emperks, 50% off select Ophelia Row women's tops and pants, and 20% off board games and puzzles. Plus, start decorating for the holidays with buy one, get one 50% off indoor holiday decor or stockings. And you'll always pay the same low Meyer prices no matter how you shop, in-store or online. Get more for your money at Meyer. Exclusions apply. See all the deals in the Meyer app. You know those times in the day when you can't fit in a full podcast? Running out to the store, walking the dog, or washing the dishes? Jam is the new way to listen when you have just enough time for the perfect short audio playlist. Get started at listentojam.com slash podcast and get your daily Jam playlist filled with more voices in less time. With Jam, you can choose from news, parenting tips, wellness advice, and more. Go to listentojam.com slash podcast and satisfy your curiosity with short audio. Discover something new every day. Are you going live or what? It's give it a second. No, I'm an impatient person and you know this. Well, clearly. <laughs> I mean, I'm am just... I introducing or are you? <laughs> you are. Always me. Is that not, is that not made clear? <laughs> mental podcast is a show dedicated to individuals and mental health professionals providing support, information, and some candid conversation along the way. And now, here are your hosts, Michelle and Seth. Oh, welcome back to another episode of Mental. And you'll notice that once again, Michelle has got the timing down. And on I'm, when to come in. I'm so incredibly proud of you because it. Yeah, I sweat were, it every time. You really were not doing it right for a while. So this. Oh, is shut like, up. This no. I'm. What I'm saying is you've learned <laughs> and you're practicing it correctly. Yes, but I like break out in a cold sweat at the beginning every time now because I'm afraid I'm going to mess it up and you're going to give me shit. <laughs> me giving you shit should never cause you to stop doing anything. That should <sighs> be made very clear. Well, I know, but I get all stressed about it. You know, I'm a perfectionist and I want to do things correct. So anyway, welcome back to mental. <laughs> I am one of your co-hosts, Michelle Collins. The other is the jackass on the other side of the, and hey I'm yo. saying it because he called me a jackass. <laughs> Not on air. Not well, on air. For tat, don't only, start none, won't be none. <laughs> the only jackass that's been established <laughs> is the one that you pulled out of your hat. In rare form today on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> I am in rare form. This you, is you really are. You really are. And for the record, you did call me a jackass before we went live. That's why you got one back. So I'm just explaining so people don't think I was being really cruel and mean to you. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, convenient. It's recorded, you know. It was recording when you said that. We it wasn't use, on Facebook Live yet, but it was recording. We don't use the Zoom backup. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, and that's, yeah. And it's totally, I couldn't prove it anyway. I have no idea how to access that. You have all control exactly. of everything. So. Exactly. <laughs> You what I have to deal with? God. I'm just happy you showed up. I That's really all <gasps> I ask. Oh, my God. You do not start none. Do not start none. Do not start none. And there will be none. Oh, I didn't. I was here. Who's the one that texted me or, or, or poloed me and said, I really need to push back the time? That was you. Yeah, and then I came what back around. What are you around. doing? I, I realized that I titled this Seth Showalter's Zoom meeting. I probably... <laughs> 
clearly it's been a hot minute. Sure, that's what it's going to be. So. Oh. Oh. <laughs> that was that was that was a burn and a cut at the same time. Well done. I'm right in rare form today. We've already established that. <laughs> I've had my nails done. Uh, I got a little nap while that was happening. I'm ready to go. So <laughs> well, let me get this title changed. But tell me what okay. they're playing with something. We're supposed to already be talking. Welcome to Mental Podcast. We're here to talk to you today. What are we going to talk to them about, Michelle? <laughs> wow, that was very mechanical. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to change um, this. Save this okay, just leave it for right now. I need your attention, please. We're, this is bad podcasting. <laughs> you can play with that later. <laughs> I think I fixed it. Okay. So... Welcome to Mental Podcast. What's happening? Yeah, for the 15th time. <laughs> well, we had decided that it's it's this is for a new month. Uh, even though we're we're going to Facebook Live today, this comes out next Saturday. Um, and it's, so it's a new month, new subject matter. And we decided for this episode, we were going to do somewhat of an extended mental minute. We actually did not do a mental minute on our last episode that aired, that came out yesterday. Um, so we are going to do an extended mental minute today. But we're doing so because it's going to lead us into our next subject matter. And so I'll, I'll let that happen organically. We'll discuss that a little bit more as we get going. But in the spirit of mental and in the spirit of Michelle and Seth's whacked out lives, uh, extended mental minute time. <laughs> you get to go first. <laughs> oh. Or I don't know. Maybe you should go second since we're going to tie in what you're talking about, too. That's what I thought. But I mean, I'll okay. do whatever you would no, like. No, no, that's Michelle. fine. It's fine. That, um, just, that just makes sense. We're going to tie it in. So I just want to make sure we do yeah. this in the correct order. So well, it it'll sense. get, it'll get tied in because I'll, I'll make sure it's tied in. I know you have all the editing power. I do. So tell <laughs> us since we're doing, so I want to like clarify a few things here. Yes. Um, so we did not, so I'm going to repeat you here and then I'm going to add a little bit on. So we did not do mental minutes in our last episode, the episode that was actually released this Saturday. Uh, I am very happy with that interview uh, with Mark mm -hmm. Karras. And I think it's been, I think it's going to be very helpful for people. And I'm really excited. Oh, hello, Lizzie. I'm very Hi, excited Lizzie. about, about that episode. And I'm, and I'm really hoping to, to hear from people on what they think. Since we didn't do those mental minutes, we need to do it now. And the reason mm -hmm. we're going to go ahead and do an extended mental minute is let's just be completely frank. Thanks. <laughs> have not necessarily gone the ways in which I think either of us would have wanted in right. days. Can we agree right. to that? Well, certainly not the way you would have wanted. <laughs> no. And yeah, I certainly didn't want it to go that way either. So, it, you know, yeah, it's, well, it's a touchy subject. So, well, let's, let's jump in and let's talk about you. How yeah. have you been doing since we've last been on air or even before um, that, before the, two times ago? <laughs> uh, well, I know that again, I said, I wasn't going to bring the subject up. Just a reminder. I am still in prep. I'm doing a shitty job of it, um, but I am still in prep. Don't I'm nine weeks out from competing. That. Yeah. Well, you know, I am having a hard time getting my head in it mentally this time. And, but yet I really, really want to compete this summer. So I really just need to, <laughs> to put, get my, myself back in the game here. I'm not doing a horrible job. I'm just not doing my best job. And so I need to get my head together. Um, 
so I'm still doing that. Uh, I worked out some competitions today. I think I have four of them chosen. And so we'll see. My goal in that is a national qualification this time because I would like to go to nationals mm-hmm. and compete at that level. So we'll see how it goes, but I've got nine weeks until the first one. So we'll see. Um, I'm home by myself currently, which is very, very strange. I haven't been by myself in a long, long time. Uh, so my, my son and daughter-in-law are traveling to California, uh, for this long weekend. Mm -hmm. And so I'm here, it's just the puppies and me, and then they got a new kitten. So I have the kitten, which is proving to be, um, challenging. (laughs) Okay. I want to talk because I've seen the, I've seen the kitten. He's so cute. Oz is adorable He's why is adorable why is it not going well well i'm going to tell you first and foremost he fits right in and so we have a saying of our, about our family uh, we had a friend of my oldest son's coined it and I, it's become very very true of us and he said that our life is zero to collins you know like people say zero to 60 in such and such time well it's zero to collins around here so it, it's either nothing's going on or everything's going on mm-hmm. and with that comes a lot of attitude that's just our family dynamic And so our animals actually seem to fall into line with those, uh, with those guidelines, those dynamics. Mm -hmm. And so most people, yeah, (laughs) most people that, you know, follow me or or, are friends with me on Facebook have seen the videos I've posted of my dog. He's crazy. Uh, He's neurotic. He's a little spastic. He jumps at lights and shadows. He gets fixated to the point where you can't get his attention. So he's a little over the top, but he's also the sweetest, most loving emotional support dog to me. And so I love him. I think he's crazy, but he's awesome. So then we brought this cat into the house and the cat is teeny tiny. He's only, you know, several weeks old and the dog is fixated. Like Mm -hmm. he can't stop and he doesn't realize how big he is. And so he's like overpowering this little kitten. Well, in true Collins fashion, this cat fits right in and is hauling off and cracking that dog in the nose. (laughs) And it's the funniest thing because the dog is so patient. He just sits there like, that's what you got. That's it. That's it. You know, but then he, he like looms over him. So the cat's losing his mind. He's and he's fast as I'll get out racing through the house. And then the dog's chasing him through the house. So it sounds like a circus going on in here, like all the damn time. And we have to separate them about every hour. I have to separate them. Well, we actually haven't had them together very much because we were worried he was going to hurt the kitten. Right. That was an initial um, fear. Yeah, recall. very much a fear because he was very aggressive at first. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the pit bull is terrified of the kitten. This big hundred pound pit bull is terrified of the kitten. Hilarious. Slinks out of the room every time the kitten appears. Won't have anything to do with him. Not won't even smell him. He's like wants nothing to do with him. And so it's it's been a challenge. So when they left this weekend, I'm like, that cat is in there and he's so mouthy. The constant meowing. And I'm like, I have to let him out here and we're just going to have to tell him they have to get along. So I've let him out and they have adjusted really well. They're playing together now and racing through the house together. So about every hour, hour and a half, I separate them so that they can have some downtime (laughs) and both can lay down and chill out for a little bit, but it's going really well. So that that's helped me being here by myself because it's weird to be by myself. Well, you're not, you have children now. I mean, they, they well, normally but they're gone this weekend. No. Oh, you mean the dogs and the a cat? A dog and a cat being introduced yeah, together mean, is like having I know. children. It is. But I, I mean, people wise, I, you yeah. know, 
I'm an introvert, so I'm okay with being alone most of the time, but it's, it's been harder the last few months to be by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, that's due to some circumstances going on in my life. And so it's much more difficult. Um, yeah. it gives me too much time to think, and that's very hard for me. You know, I start questioning my choices. I start, you know, debating with myself and worrying and, and that is not a nice feeling, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and then you, you, you know, you kind of lament back through some things and I find myself wanting to cry a lot and because I feel very sad about the situation that's going on in my life right now. And so I'm trying to work through that. Um, so it's weird to be here by myself, even though when they're home, I don't like, we don't sit all together in the house very often. You know, we will occasionally in the evening, but just knowing they're here is helpful. Mm-hmm. So, and then I have a good friend who, you know, I've spent some time with recently and he was out of town this weekend as well. So it was like, I, you know, I didn't even have an outlet to say, Hey, can we go grab dinner or something? You know, it was, there was no, no outlet. So it was just a weird weekend. Um, they don't come home till tomorrow. So, you know, I get another night here, <laughs> which is fine. I mean, I don't mind being by myself at night. It does, I mean, it's not like I'm afraid of or anything. I mean, I got two damn big dogs running around, but and a cat, and apparently the cat is ferocious. And that cat's kind of scared. I, you know what? I'm so terrified of, of for him because he's so fast and he's so little. He darts under my feet, and I've almost fell on my face three or four times trying not to step on him. And it, it makes me nervous. <laughs> he's like going to get hurt. But he'll be fine. Yeah, I didn't know he was in my room earlier, and I was on my bed, and all of a sudden this cat comes clawing up the side of the bed and jumps on my bed, and I was like, "Oh my god, where did you go?" thought he was downstairs (laughs) so he startled me anyway that's what's going on in my life not a lot really i mean just the same normal stuff i'm in the gym twice a day i'm training i'm studying i'm working all the normal stuff so just just a little quieter (laughs) yeah well it sounds like you know some of the circumstances have changed as you've mentioned you know there's been some circumstances in your life that you've kind of been dealing with and we're not going to touch that no but <laughs> I, you know, I am happy to hear that you have signed up for your, your athletic bodybuilding competitions. Did you, did you do two last year? I did two last year. I was supposed to do three by the end of the second one. I kind of knew what the feedback was. I knew that mm-hmm. I wasn't going to get any different kind of feedback. Um, so it was better to just say, let's back out, let's start training. And I've done that. So this time I have four in mind. Um, my very good friend, who's a competing bodybuilder though, he, he said to me, um, why are you doing so many shows this summer? And I said, well, I want a national qualification. And he's like, okay, but what if you get one in the first show? And I said, well, then I would probably not do the rest of the shows. I would, I would reverse back out and start building and training towards that national show. So he's like, okay, that's all I wanted to check. He said, you know, you don't have to do all four. However, I do think there's something to be said with getting a little more stage experience. Um, oh, yeah. So, you know, I might even still do one more it, after that, but I really don't think I'd get the national qualification qualification in the first one. I feel like I need, I need that first one to kind of just get my bearings again. And um, I don't know, I could be wrong. So we'll see. I'm trying to pick, I'm trying to be very st- strategic about my shows, pick shows that are going to be beneficial to me in my age groups and, and see if, you know, if I can manipulate it that way, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Out so. of curiosity, have you talked to, it sounds like you know other bodybuilders, right? And A lot even, of them, actually, yeah. They've even kind of asked you, like, hey, why are you doing so many shows? Like, right, how right. many shows do people norm, like, and I don't, I well, hate the word normal. Different. I hate yeah. the word normal. Yeah. Um, but, you know, on average. Everybody's like, different. 
Yeah. I mean, you choose what you're going to do. Um, this, this particular friend is a professional bodybuilder. He's trying to get a qualification for the Olympia. Oh, um, wow. so you have to build up a certain number of points to qualify for the Olympia, or you have to win a show outright. Mm-hmm. And so his goal is to win a show outright. Um, and so he, he's competed the last two weekends. He's done really well, but he's missed that, that qualification. So I think he has a couple more he was going to try. Um, and we'll see, but he looks fantastic. I'm not sure how he's lost, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, he just looks fantastic. So, but that's a whole different level than where I'm at. That's the professional bodybuilding side. And so mine is not professional yet. That's my goal. Uh, but it, it's interesting because every, you know, a lot of people do these just as a bucket list kind of thing. And I do have a friend in the gym who he's getting ready to do his first one in two weeks. I'm going to go see him. And he, uh, we've, we've chatted quite often. And I asked him, he said, I'm really struggling. He looks very depleted, but he looks great. I mean, as far as muscle wise and body fat wise, he looks fantastic. And I said, you're going to do really well. And, and I said, but let me ask you a question. You're really struggling mentally. And he said, yeah. And I said, so is this like a bucket list thing for you? Or do you want to do this? And he says, oh, it's kind of a bucket list thing. I said, dude, that's the problem then. Like you're not sold out to the process. So the misery of it is misery. It's not mm-hmm. misery for a purpose that right. you're comfortable with. So, but the last time I saw him, he had gone to a show. He had talked with some people and met some people that are going to be uh, competing. And he was like, I got him beat. I got him beat. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> hold that thought in check. <laughs> but right. great, because he felt more motivated and he's like, I'm going to win. I want to win. And I'm like, okay, see, that's the mentality you have to have. And it, mm-hmm. but it's hard to get there mentally because it's so much on your body right. and it is so much on your, men- on your mental state as well. So it's. It's definitely a different lifestyle. I've had that conversation with quite a few friends, the way we eat, the way we train, the way we sleep, the amount of water we drink, everything. Most people look at it and go, no fucking way. <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> and, and most people are right. It is kind of a crazy way to live, but I like it. Keeps me structured <laughs> when my head's in it, like it's supposed to be anyway. Well, it sounds like it's definitely something that you care about deeply. I mean, hello, um, this is now the second time we've gone around with this and it yeah. sounds like it's something that you really do care about and you've you've fought very hard to get where you're at in this area well, I've worked really hard I, I I will admit that I've worked really hard and and I will say this I read something and I actually posted it today I'm trying to get back to it so I can make sure I say it correctly one of the things that this has done for me is really have a very positive effect on my confidence level mm-hmm you know, people that have listened long-term to mental know that we've talked about imposter syndrome. We've talked about self-esteem issues. We've talked about a lot of things that both of us have experienced that are detrimental pretty much to our mental state. And so in that, that's been kind of difficult. And so my confidence level, you know, has always been something that's very difficult for me. And so this has really helped a lot with that. Um, but I posted something this morning and, and I thought it just, fit me to a T and apparently it fits a lot of people to a T it says when you're not used to being confident confidence feels like arrogance Mm. and and I'll I'll finish reading the whole thing Um, when you're used to being passive assertiveness feels like aggression when you're used to not getting your needs met prioritizing yourself feels selfish your comfort zone is not a good benchmark and I thought wow I, I mean I don't necessarily identify with the second one as much, but the first one and the third one, the confidence feeling like arrogance is overwhelming for me. 
you know, I just had a friend read me the riot act last week. He's like, I don't know why you're not more positive about yourself. You're a role model for people. He gives me this whole list of things. And I'm, I'm like squirming in my skin, like, oh my God, no, I'm not any of those things because I feel like it feels arrogant or it feels egotistical. And it didn't occur to me until I read this this morning. I was like, oh, that's a good point. Like, if you're not used to that, that's what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess that is the shadow side of it as well. So you have to be careful, you know, that you're not becoming arrogant or egotistical, but having a healthy appreciation for who you are and what you've accomplished is a, is a good thing. Right. And, and the thing I would always ask is when you look at people who are more confident than you, mm-hmm. especially in your area of expertise, mm-hmm. do you then regard them as arrogant? Um, I, well, I think it would depend on the person, but <laughs> Fair. Fair, yes. Um, but for the most part, no. And again, this is something that I have recognized about myself over and over and over. And I've had many people say to me, you know, what would you say if you heard somebody saying the things that you're saying about yourself to somebody else? And I said, mm-hmm. I'd be angry. Mm-hmm. And they were like, then why do you say it to yourself? Well, because it's comfortable to say those kind of things to ourselves. Right. It feels like, like, well, you just don't know me or I know myself better or, you know, I don't want to be arrogant or all these things that are are things that are detrimental to us, you know? And that third one, I, that was a, that was a smack me in the face when you're not getting your needs met, prioritizing yourself feels selfish because I will say that in the last few months, I have been very, very focused on me, you know, going to therapy, working out, everything is about what I want to do now. And I have felt like that is very selfish. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I read that, I thought, that makes a lot of sense though, because there was a lot of things that I wasn't, I wasn't getting what I needed. And that felt bad to think that it, I, you know, you don't want to hurt other people's feelings or you don't want to feel needy or any of those things, but it's true. And that stuff s- cycles out subconsciously, you know, and suddenly you're in a place where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm not happy because I, my needs are not being met and I've never addressed that you know, so it does feel selfish. And so I do struggle with this. Yeah. Well, acknowledging it, right. Is the first step. And it's honestly a big step to be able to say, this is where I'm at because you can't change unless you do. So that's huge. uh, First of all, and I know that's very basic understanding, but I just want to mention that because um, you're at least acknowledging that now. Yeah. So maybe yeah, but again, this can I'm still take f- steps to like help you start to feel more comfortable in being confident. Right. I think one of the things I don't think it's going to happen though until you're holding a national championship from a bodybuilding <laughs> competition. Well, I don't know. You I get a national I, championship. I feel like that's what you're holding out for, and I'm like, I don't know what else you need. Is that it? Is is that what? What is the? What's the? That's not the, the benchmark. Thing. What is it? Um, I don't know that I know what the benchmark is. I just know that I like to try new things. I like to be good at everything I do. I'm deeply competitive. I'm deeply perfectionistic. So when something becomes an interest to me, I do give it everything I have. Um, Mm -hmm. But I also really struggle mentally along the way with whether I'm capable or not. Um, I certainly wouldn't want anybody else to tell me you're not capable. That would just make me go, oh, hell yes, I am. And I would do it. But it's easier for me to question my own capability in something. And so, and again, what I'm choosing to do right now, specifically with bodybuilding is so incredibly mental that, you know, I mean, people are like, oh, I don't know how you work out that much. I'm like, that's the easy thing. 
like showing up at the gym and working out, that's easy. I can, I can push iron all day. That's not a problem. It's looking at yourself in the mirror and deciding that you're okay is the difficult part. And so I don't know. I mean, I want to, I want to go to a national show and I want to compete. I'd love to get my pro card. You know, I'm also trying to keep in mind that I'm 55 years old, but that doesn't matter because people still do it. So I'm trying to reconcile all that in my mind. Is that going to make me see myself in a positive light? No, probably not because that's not what self-esteem is about. Self-esteem is so much deeper than that. Ah. And so that's just one more thing for me to question. Oh, how did I get that? You're identifying you know, it, though. Because I've done a lot of stuff. I've done mm-hmm. a lot of stuff in my life. I've been successful at a lot of stuff in my life. And yet I still cringe when I hear a friend tell me you're a role model. I cringe because I'm like, obviously I've fooled a lot of people. You know, and that's how, so that is something different. I go around talking about my, my co-host who is a published author, um, <laughs> See, uh, getting her doctorate <laughs> in psychology is all about helping people and making a difference is all about helping people through religious trauma. And it's even written a book on her deconstruction process. I, I, I would call you a role model. I'm yeah. you I, makes, and the other friend that calls me that. And they, both of you make me uncomfortable when you say that. It makes me sad that you are uncomfortable. And it's what that. he said too. He goes, it devastates me that you can't see yourself the way that other people see you. And I, yeah. I, I wish I could too. I, I, like I said, I struggle with that first thing. It feels egotistical. It feels arrogant. And again, I have to come back over and over. And I know people are probably sick of this, but it's the truth. I have to come back to my Christian upbringing and, and say, well, you know, you're taught over and over. Do not think more highly of yourself than you ought, you know, and that we're nothing, we're nothing. We're not important. We're not, we're, you know, we're worm food. So it, it is difficult to find yourself and like yourself in the midst of that kind of thinking. So what my, my question, oh, yes, agreed. And I think that we can look at religious indoctrination on, on almost any religion and, and come to conclusions similar to this. Right. But my question is like, what, okay. And I'm not trying to therapy. I got to be really <laughs> therapize me. I'm not <laughs> going to therapize you. I'm going to try to say this in a way that does not sound therapy. Okay. Yes. Okay. But what things like, what is it? What is the thing that you feel needs to happen in order for you to overcome that indoctrination from the past? Do you think that's going to be something that you always struggle with? Or do you think that there's things that you can do to overcome that and maybe take steps forward? I don't know what it is that it's going to take Mm -hmm. in all honesty. Mm -hmm. Do I feel like I'm ever going to get there? I hope so but I'm also pretty realistic and I know that I'm deeply analytical and I'm uh, again, very uh, perfectionistic. So uh, that's already going to be harder, even without that indoctrination, because, you know, we're trained to find the negatives basically. Mm -hmm. That's what perfectionism does to you. You're always focused on what's not right yet. Yes. We'll see. But I think when we deal with, and by the way, I'm, talking as if I'm talking about you, you know, I clearly don't have the greatest self-confidence in the world. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, it's easier so to see it for somebody else than it is for ourselves. Uh, you know, I'm just as speaking to myself <laughs> just as much as I am to you. 
Tired of guessing your glucose levels all the time? How about a better way to manage your diabetes? Introducing the Eversense E3 CGM system, the only six-month continuous glucose monitoring system. With real-time glucose readings every five minutes delivered to your mobile device and exceptional accuracy over six months, Eversense E3 gives you readings you can count on. For important safety information and to learn more about Eversense, visit eversensediabetes.com safety. Accuracy evaluated in adult populations with two calibrations per day or less. You know those times in the day when you can't fit in a full podcast? Running out to the store, walking the dog, or washing the dishes? Jam is the new way to listen when you have just enough time for the perfect short audio playlist. Get started at listentojam.com slash podcast and get your daily Jam playlist filled with more voices in less time. With Jam, you can choose from news, parenting tips, wellness advice, and more. Go to listentojam.com slash podcast and satisfy your curiosity with short audio. Discover something new every day. But I think that when I when I look at you, and I got to be careful in how I say all of this because I love you so much. You're not going to offend me. But when we talk about perfectionism and we talk about those different types of things, you've taken this to like a whole nother degree in my mind. And I understand there's a whole culture around bodybuilding and things like that. Yeah. But like, I, I don't think that winning any type of championship or whatever it's called like <laughs> I, I think you could lit- <laughs> I think you could literally I just keep thinking of like uh WWE no it's not like that <laughs> I know it's not but that's where my mind is going okay. so we're just gonna go with that but I don't think I think you could win first in all of these different competitions and I don't think <gasps> it would make a difference in this regard because um, I think this is something internal mm-hmm not something external. Well, I and would I agree with you. I feel there. like you're focusing on the external because that's what you know and that's what other people see. Mm-hmm. But I think it. Well, I think it really needs specific, to come from within. This specific thing, and I agree with you. It is, and it, it is a focus on the external. I will tell you that almost anybody, and I had a friend that used to be a workout partner in California say this to me. She said, "I said one time something negative about myself," and she goes, "Ah, we all have body dysmorphia." And she's right. If you're in, if you're, yeah. if you're engaged in this sport, you have body dysmorphia because you're always looking at what needs to be better. You're most will not acknowledge if they do. It's a very fleeting acknowledgement. Like, oh yeah, I did pretty good there. But most of the time it's always about what needs to be fixed, what needs to be better, what, ne- you know, judges feedback so I can fix it. It's all about that. And so it is, it is a very almost self-centered kind of sport. You are very, you know, introspective about yourself. What it does do though, is it does force you to be, it does force you to confront a lot of the internal because you have to overcome that stuff Mm -hmm. to actually Mm -hmm. get on the stage um, and, and to smile and to present and to say, Hey, I'm not here to beat anybody else. I'm here to beat the last version of myself. And you'll hear that a lot. Your competition is nobody else. Your competition is you. And so that, you know, you kind of live from that place, but the reality is you are standing on a stage with other people and you're competing. So while right. your biggest competition is yourself, so are they, you right. know, but so it does force you to confront a lot of the stuff internally. And I have found that to be true. I will say that I have moments. I had a moment earlier today. I've had a moment the last few days where I was able to look in the mirror and say, I like how I look. I like, I've, I like me right now, which has been a difficult thing for me for a long time in my life. You know, we're, we're doing this whole series on trauma and there's so much behind that, what trauma does to our mentality. And, and so 
you know, I am trying to overcome that. It's taken me a lot of years to do that. And it's difficult. It's hard work. And anybody that's doing the trauma work in their lives, trying to understand themselves knows this is very difficult stuff. And it's, it makes you feel like you want to quit often. Like, let me just grab a box of Oreos and turn on some sad movie and just lay on my couch and hope for the best. I just note that I ordered Oreos (laughs) from Instacart yesterday and they did not give me Oreos. Can I just note that whoever came up with gluten-free double stuffed Oreos is like a freaking genius. And at the same time, my (laughs) biggest enemy, like they're gluten-free. It's okay. Both love them and hate them. No, no, I mean the person that came up with them. I love the gluten-free Oreos. They're fantastic. I will go on another mini rant though and say, as usual with gluten-free food, um, you get far less and it costs far more, which pisses me off. Well, of course. Yeah. But they're the best thing in the world. I, I, they're just awesome. So, it, th- and when I'm in a mindset of I'm supposed to be leaning out, I do not need to be thinking about Oreos and certainly not double stuffed Oreos. <laughs> and now I heard that they have even bigger ones. I'm like, who the, f- who the hell is doing this? <laughs> Stop it. People really like, people really <laughs> like that stuffing. Oh, but that's, that's life. So my Oreo, my Oreo condition. <laughs> good it's a good story oh well i like it (laughs) oh anyway we're all tired of my bodybuilding shit what's going on with you (laughs) let's get into yours well it's been an interesting week well i already know this uh, to say the least yeah um so i in our last episode and i shared how i went to this conference in denver and how it was so amazing and it changed my life yeah that was it hadn't actually happened yet. I was lying <laughs> to you. It was a timing thing. It was a timing thing. It wasn't lying. We actually, we actually recorded before I right. left, but I, I needed to get, we needed to get ahead. So I had to like, you know, pretend as if I'd been to this conference and it was amazing. I actually think it was kind of obvious that it was fake. I mean, we have but, to do that. I, it, there's no way we can record and release right. on the same day. It's not possible. Well, it is, but I well, have a life. Not for my life. It's not. <laughs> is that your microphone Correct. Correct. <laughs> okay. So I went to Denver, Colorado, right. May 16th through May 21st right. for a conference, um, essentially a train the trainer event for a suicide uh, intervention practice uh, modality right. called assist. And I was there to become an assist certified trainer. And it was a blast. I mean, honestly, the conference was incredible. Mm-hmm. The people that were training us were amazing. Like the person that led my group literally was like the lead crisis intervention person after <laughs> Columbine. Oh, wow. Okay. That's like she amazing. Was the, she was the, she was the head crisis response person coordinating the call, like after the call. Right. Well, you know what I'm saying? They know what they're talking about. Yeah. They have lots of experience. Absolutely exciting to, to be learning alongside them. Right. Thursday morning, Thursday morning, we're, we're moving throughout the training. We've already gone through an entire assist class. We've already been focused on the first half. We're going to start focusing on the middle. It's about 10 30 in the morning. I'm just finishing my 
third cup of coffee and we're sitting in group and all of a sudden I had one of those things. Right. Uh, well, explain the things no. because some people may not know what you're talking about. Yeah. So I, I had this thing happen. I have this thing happen where I have um, essentially gastric rising. It feels like when you ride a roller coaster and you go over that big hill and your stomach does right. that thing that happens. And then I have like waves of heat radiate from my feet to my head. Right. My psychiatrist has told me that those are panic attacks. And my neurologist has told me that those are seizures. They're, they're, he called them temporal lobe seizures. They're just not going all the way through. See, I think they sound like an aura. They are. Yeah. So I had one on Thursday while I was at this conference and it, it didn't stop. So essentially it started. One of the trainers came back to me and said, Seth, are you okay? What's going on? You don't look well. I said, listen, it is no big deal, Cindy. I am just having a temporal lobe seizure. These happen all the time. Hmm. Yes. The last thing I remember, I apparently started convulsing. Um, so I fell to the ground, started convulsing and I was, had an eight minute tonic conic seizure, otherwise known as a grand mal. Right. But they don't call them grandmas anymore. I still call them grandmas because my son has them and that's what I know them as. So. Right. And if I ever talk to someone, grandma is what people know. Exactly. They don't know. They don't know tonic clonic. Yeah. I don't even know what the hell that means. So exactly. So, but anyways, technically in the medical books, they don't call it grandma anymore. Now it's tonic clonic. But anyways, I, that happened for eight minutes. I was then taken to the emergency room and woke up terrified out of my mind, not mm-hmm. knowing who I was, where I was, what was going on, what city I was in, where, like, I, I knew nothing. Um, in fact, I think they had my arms and straps at one point. Mm. Well, you were probably I think, combative. I think that I was, mm-hmm. I don't think that I was combative, like right after the seizure, when I was with all the people, but I think I got combative when I was in the hospital. Yeah. It's a fugue state immediately following following a seizure like that, you go into a fugue state, which actually can be dangerous for you and people around you because you have no knowledge of what you're doing. And it, it, especially if you're a large person or a very strong person, you can actually hurt people. And right. so it is kind of frightening. And I know this because my son has these kind of seizures and he's a very, very difficult person right after a seizure. So, well, I'm sure that I was not difficult. I, I'm sure I yeah. was everyone's. Yeah. I'm sure that's favorite. why they had you secured to the bed. Favorite. <laughs> favorite people. However, they had all these things on me yeah. that like they never got off. And I just right. remember trying to take a shower in the hotel and it was so I had, it was not fun. That's all the heart um, monitoring stuff and everything. Yeah. Oh yeah. They had all that. Kind uh, of, let me just, didn't... can I just say that an eight minute seizure is absolutely freaking horrifying to me? Like, because is honestly, it? I freak out when my son gets close to a minute because all I can think of is that there's brain damage going on. Uh, not to mention he's not getting air. So he's turning blue. I can't even imagine eight I mean, minutes. Yeah. I, I was blue apparently, but again, I don't know anything, but they timed it. Yeah, I was in a room full yeah. of mental health professionals. Right. They knew to do that. So as soon as it happened, they were like literally timing. Right. I, I know people do time, you know, and I've been told to time my sons and it's very difficult for me to even think in the moment, you know, right. when that's happening that I need to time this. I don't think he's ever gone more than a minute and a half, it, but it feels like forever. It just feels like forever. 
and you do a great amount of damage to your body. Sometimes I know for my son, and I don't know if you had this experience, but when he comes back around by the next day, his entire body hurts because all of the muscles have contracted so tightly that it's like, he's done an entire workout body work, an entire body workout. So, yeah, no, it, um, I felt that. And I also bit the crap out of my tongue. Yeah. That's pretty normal too. (laughs) On both sides. I mean, it hurt to talk for like three days. Yeah. I imagine that's, that is pretty common as well inside of your cheeks, anything to do with your mouth. Um, which is why, you know, my grandfather had epilepsy and I remember growing up, I never saw him have a seizure, but I do remember at one point being told, and my mom remembers this as well. He said, if I ever have a seizure, just leave me alone. Um, you're not supposed to try and put your hands in their mouth. You're not supposed to try and do, you know, cause they will bite your finger off. (laughs) That will happen. They have no control. And, uh, you're, you know, for my son, I always just kind of roll him to the side and make sure his head is not banging into anything. And I wait for it to be over. That's really all you can do, but it it is, it's traumatizing. It's traumatizing to the people that see it happen, but there's a level of trauma that is associated with the person having it as well. And oftentimes that comes a little later because they're not obviously conscious of what's happening in the moment, you know, Mm -hmm. especially in that kind of seizure. So Anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt you. So continue. Well, no, apparently, so eventually I ended up coming home back to the hotel or whatever. And I knew that they had small group at like five. So like I tried to go down for small group to like. And, you oh, know my goodness. <laughs> well, apparently I came down and my pants were unbuckled oh, no. and things <laughs> were not on right. Oh, my goodness. And I stepped outside for a cigarette and then couldn't find my cigarettes oh. or my bag. And. They were like, Seth, go upstairs yeah, you need to- now. Yes. <laughs> like, okay. Because you're still not all the way back. It takes a while. Well, I mean, I wasn't, I don't think really at a week after because I took so. Okay. So let me just keep going. This happened. I ended up having to present the next day after. Oh, my boy. Seizure. That's got to be fun. Yeah, that did, that did not go well. You know, but like, can I? that went horribly. So they, they passed me, but with conditions, essentially my company will have to pay someone else to come in and watch me for the first two. Mm. Well, it is what it is. I mean, it's not like you yeah, planned it and hoped for it. it. It it just is. Yeah, it just is. I'm just not very happy about that, but well, whatever. Then I started to, I was supposed to then the, that following Monday, which was this last Monday, I was supposed to start work and teach follow-up after hospitalization in a brand new computer system. Mm. And I started work at like 530 because um, I was very, very nervous and scared about it. Right. And my the director of my program reached out to me and said, Seth, what are you doing? I was like, I'm preparing. She's like, how are you feeling? And yeah. I'm like, eh, I'm 50-50. <laughs> I said, I, but I can do this. Like I'm 50, 50, but I can, I legitimately, I can do this. She's like, Nope, take off the next two days. Um, schedule a neurology appointment immediately. Mm. I did. The neurologist did not view it as a big deal. He thought an eight minute seizure was no big deal at all. And that these happen and just yeah. up my meds, didn't do anything. Didn't run a test. Didn't ask additional questions. Well, complete and absolute waste of time. You will remember that I was very angry about that when you told me. Yeah. I find that to be yeah. horseshit. 
Um, and part of the reason that that is the way it is, is because for a neurologist, they hear this all the time. It's very status quo to them. So they're not experiencing the trauma of it because they're used to hearing about it. So it doesn't occur to them to show a little bit of, you know, compassion for the person that's had this experience. Right. And I will say, however, I find it wildly inappropriate and unprofessional to raise somebody's meds before you've seen lab work. Wildly yeah, inappropriate. No, he, yeah. He raised my meds, but I mean, he took lab work, but it was, he at didn't the look end. at it before he raised your meds though. No, he raised the That's meds bullshit. and had me do lab work. So anyways, he okayed me to return to work the next day. Um, however, t- after talking to my parents, I was like, he raised my medication up quite a bit. Yeah. And I would really kind of like those medications leveled before I'm teaching a class again. Right. And I mentioned that to the director of my program and she's like, I completely agree. Take off the entire week. I said, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, we're talking physically, you are probably fine, but, but mentally and emotionally, this takes a toll. This is a traumatic event. And it is something that you have to focus on now. Exactly. Because it comes with a level of fear associated with it because you, and and you said this to me the other day, like uh, I can't drive, this could happen anytime. And I'm on one hand, it made me laugh and I don't want that to be taken inappropriately. I wasn't laughing at you. I'm laughing ironically because it always could happen at any time that nothing has changed. It's just, you're super aware of it now. And, and that is something that you have to reconcile mentally. Well, I, I just, I kind of thought they were over. Yeah. It's been eight years, Michelle. I know it's a long time, but eight it, years. it doesn't, doesn't mean it can't happen, obviously. So clearly, yeah, I really clearly thought I, <laughs> thought I was over this, but I'm not. So as a result of this, I might as well go ahead and share. My life has kind of um, fallen apart. It, it feels like, and that's not, I'm not being dramatic. I'm being honest. It really feels that way. Yeah. And so I have called a therapist and am waiting to get a call back to schedule the first appointment. I think that's really week. smart. I, I think absolutely. So, it's a good idea to talk to somebody and work through it. Yeah. It's time from everything that happened with recent relationships to now having a grand mal seizure to everything that's happening at work. I, I, I got to I got to start talking. Yeah. I, I think that it's absolutely for the best for you. So, because a lot of life changes have happened for you recently, but this yeah. kind of brings it all together. This kind of is it's mentally, emotionally, and physically traumatic to you. And, and that is something that you, you're going to have to deal with, mm-hmm. you know, and, and again, you could push it away and you could decide to just go on with life, but trauma comes back. And it, especially when we're dealing with physical stuff, almost always is uh, associated with PTSD. And so you're going to struggle with that for a little while. That's just a normal thing. So Mm -hmm. it's okay. You don't have to feel badly about that. You don't have to feel weird about that. It's okay. And I think that there is a hesitancy for people that struggle with this kind of stuff to say, Hey, I have this problem and not feel weird about it. Mm -hmm. Because I think we're afraid of what other people are going to think. And quite honestly, it really doesn't matter. Right. 
Well, let's let's now tie this in. Okay. So we agreed to do. I guess we didn't ever agree to it. I just said it, and therefore <laughs> we've been Seth too, mandated. <laughs> I I put it out into the ether, and it just became something. So we have been focused on a a, a very very long series on trauma called yes. the Trauma Trials. Right now, I've been made. We've been made fun of for that title. Yeah, whatever. I don't give a shit. Listen. <laughs> I just I don't really give two flying shits anymore. No, I so don't either. So <laughs> we agreed to do six months, and by golly, we're going to hit six months. We are. We've done how many months now? Five. Uh, we've done five. Over. Yes. Overview. The overview. Domestic violence, child abuse, religious trauma, and now this month, what we're going to be working on this month will be the fifth one. Oh, so we have to have two <laughs> more months. Okay. No. So this will be the fifth one. We'll have to have one more after this. And yes, nobody's we'll saying have we have to. have to. Oh, we will. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you don't come along with me, I'll do it myself. Okay. Okay. But we are going this next month. So for the month of June, due to the personal nature of me having a seizure for eight minutes and kind of questioning all that's happened in my life and everything that's going on there. I think it would be cool for us to spend a month talking about physical illness and traumatizing experiences yeah. around that. I um, agree. I'm thinking things like cancer, uh, ALS, um, you know, serious, serious, serious diagnoses that really kind of shatter mm -hmm. one's sense of security right. and how people cope with that. Well, because again, as I mentioned a little bit ago, there is an association with trauma on a mental and emotional level mm -hmm. with physical illness, especially, you know, elongated physical illness or severe illness that may lead to death. These are things that have to be reconciled. And there's a level of trauma that goes along with that, that your body is responding to in the midst of having its own physical, tra uh, physical trauma going on. It now is exacerbated by the, ment the mental part of that and how we, mm -hmm. how we deal with being ill. And so I think this is a good jumping off point because it's, it's a very good illustration or example of how something physical can be very traumatic. Um, and as I said, what, what speaks primarily when we're talking about what you experienced is the trauma that other people are, are feeling in watching or seeing something like that, because coming from that standpoint, it's incredibly traumatic for somebody to see that Right. you having the seizure or not necessarily keyed into what that looks like, unless you see it happen with somebody else. So you're kind of removed, but there is an internal trauma that's happening. There is an internal problematic mental thought process going on surrounding that. We just wanted to provide you an extended mental minute as a way of kickstarting this next series, which we are going to focus on physical illness, specifically related to the mental impact mental effect right. um, one has from serious physical issues and, and how yeah. that impacts and causes trauma within a person's life. And so I'm, I'm excited about this series and I hope that you are as well, Michelle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, we should probably talk to people about where they can find us um, and our website and all Perhaps. that fun, happy stuff. Yeah. Why don't you go for it? <laughs> well, you can certainly visit our website. Seth has done a fabulous job with that. It is mental-podcast.com. Am I correct? 
Am I saying it you right? are correct? Okay. You no. can find everything mental there. We have a merch store. We everything. have everything. Uh, we have links to all of the episodes. We have all the books that we use and that are involved with the discussions that we're having. So it's a great place. It's a great resource. We also have a Facebook group and you're certainly welcome to join there. Um, as I like to mention often, as I bring up the Facebook group, it is not a place to come for cheap therapy. That's not what we're there for. It's a place to come for support and consideration from other people to find like-minded individuals, to ask questions, to offer suggestions, and to just basically hang out. You know, what Facebook is really all about anyway, uh, not for right. anybody's expertise. <laughs> as is evidenced daily on my timeline. <laughs> um, and we also have a hotline. And Seth, I don't have the number in front of me, so you're going to have to tell them the hot hotline right now. That hotline number is... <laughs> I can't remember if it's 314 or five. Oh, my God, it's, we're both so horrible. It's, it's, it's 314. <laughs> it's 314-690-5005. Again, that phone number is 314-690-5005. If you call that, I'm probably not going to answer it. However, you can call it and leave a voicemail. Um, and if you have feedback or things that you think are applicable, we'll play it on the show. Sure. All right. I've seen other podcasts do that. If you want to call, leave us a voicemail and you want on the show, we'll get you on the show. Call us. Let us know what you think. I will say um, you can also text us. Yeah. I will say that our hotline apparently is not as interesting as the hotline of other podcasts that we know of. So. Apparently. 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 <laughs> However, that's been a little interesting I to watch. <laughs> I think I think said podcast is um, one ramping it up a little bit, and I think that they're feeding into it. Probably. And I'm not convinced that it's not one of them that's calling and leaving. Oh the no, no, I I am convinced it's not. I've heard some of the messages that come in for them. So. <laughs> I think it's their subject matter. It's also the the personality of the of the co-hosts of the show. So, and of course, you know, here we're very professional all the time. She said with tongue in cheek, firmly. <laughs> And now that I think about it, I have to remember, I did hear one of the voicemails and you are right. It is not one of them. Yeah. He's very angry. Yeah. Well, a lot of people are very angry. Maybe he should listen yeah. to our podcast and get some help. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Maybe we're just not being hard line enough. We're not upsetting people to where well, they want to call again, us and cuss us out. That's not what our goal is. I mean, our goal is to educate and, and to offer help to people. It's not. It's not the same thing. So we're talking about two different kinds of podcasts. It's just we know everybody there. That's all. Mental <laughs> health matters. Stigma is not helpful. And <laughs> everyone would benefit from therapy. Come argue me on our hotline. <laughs> it is 314-690-5005. Oh, shameless plug trying to get interaction. <laughs> doing whatever I can. Oh, well, anyway, so there we are. That's our subject matter for the month of June. We will be talking weekly and coming up with different topics in this in this vein of discussion. Um, definitely give us a call or drop us a line or join our Facebook group and offer some suggestions if you have something you'd like to add to the discussion. And with that, we'll see y'all next week. This episode is brought to you by Southern Company. Southern Company is making energy clean, smart, and sustainable for their 9 million customers across the country. Southern Company, building the future of energy. Learn more at southerncompany.com slash future.
Many of us, if we're being honest, have given up hope on good sleep. But why? Well, if you're like me, you've tried everything and nothing has helped. So if we're not going to sleep well anyway, why try? That kind of thinking is so 2021. It's time to rethink our nights and days and demand more from our sleep. Talk with your doctor about how you can seize the night and day. And visit SeizeTheNightAndDay.com to learn more.